A disruption in oil markets brings us more cross currents for investors. Here's what matters. Live from the New York Life Investments home office in New York City, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Robert Sarenbeth. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team, what we think matters as we manage investment solutions. Those solutions include Mainstay's Income Builder Fund, as well as individual solutions for our partners. By sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of March 10th, 2020. And the week started out with a great market gift, or maybe more like a lump of coal, if you will, <laughs> as our OPEC, oil and petroleum exporting country, member countries, uh, decided to walk away from oil production cuts. Yeah, the, uh, love the pun. That's really funny. Um, and it just super bad timing, right? We already had the impacts of uh, COVID-19 or coronavirus making markets really uncertain. Add that oil prices had one of their biggest moves ever, and that's a lot of uncertainty for one week. And unsurprisingly, the equity market opened down 7%. The circuit breakers kicked in, which gave uh, investors a little bit of a timeout, if you will. Uh, to cool their heads. And the U.S. 10-year Treasury bond yield, if you couldn't couldn't believe it, fell even further to new historic lows. Uh, So so what do we we make of this situation? Yeah, so what we're looking at right now is essentially two big, somewhat exogenous shocks that are creating different ebbs and flows for the market. So uh, coronavirus, for example, a very serious health risk, of course, potential supply and demand shock uh, across the economy, but also prompting some policy response, which means that if the the virus does resolve, then we'd actually have some opportunities for investment. So that's kind of confusing on its own. But then you add oil on top of it, which um, could be a pretty big shock, not only for energy companies, but for the high yield markets in general, which are uh, concentrated in energy, depending on which which area of high yield you're investing in. Uh, That could be problematic. But also lower oil prices are a boon for consumers. So just some really complicated uh, cross currents that investors are facing. Yeah. And that's not even to mention the significant decline in equity prices that we've had thus far, which can often uh, reduce consumption due to the wealth effect. Basically, people just feel uh, less wealthy. So there's a lot of cross currents going around, and I think we should jump right into it. What, is that, what does that mean for portfolios? How do we think about investing in this environment? We will uh, move to our portfolio pause, a segment where we share an investment idea for your portfolios. And here, I think um, it's really about waiting and seeing, right? I mean, what would you say, Robert? Uh, I am fully on board with the wait and see approach here. I do not think that this is time to be a hero. Uh, Markets are going to experience volatility, and that's due to the tug of war right now between COVID-19, lower lower oil prices, fear, and uncertainty, and that's not going to be resolved anytime soon. 
So would you say that uh, COVID case volume, geographic spread, coronavirus related stuff is the main economic or I guess not economic, but the main indicator that you're watching from a macro perspective? Those are great indicators to be watching. Uh, but we also should be watching what's going on in the policy realm, because, as you said earlier, policy could ultimately uh, bolster sentiment or portfolios. And there's two things in policy that we always watch. That's monetary policy. Uh, so your favorite, the the central bankers, what type of things are they doing to help um, stimulate the economy? And then as well as fiscal stimulus, what are our governing bodies and what's Washington doing about the ongoing problem? On the monetary policy side, we've already seen a 50 basis point cut to interest rate. Do you think we're going to see more interest rate cuts, Lauren? I, I think we could. Um, there's, depending on the central bank you're looking at, there's more and less sort of ammunition that these central banks can use to help support the economy. Um, what they're most concerned about, I think, is company profitability. So the Fed or the ECB don't care so much about equity markets coming down, especially because the valuations had moved up so much last year and in the in the first month of this year. So it's not that that they're reacting to, but more the risk um, in credit markets that financial conditions are tightening. And so if we do see pressure on those financial conditions, then I think we get more uh, rate cuts from the Fed. Um, we might get some other support for the plumbing of the system, um, whether it's in short-term lending or, or some of those um, repo-like support that we saw last year, for example. Um, in other central banks like the European Central Bank, there's maybe less ammunition, but there's um, more that they're already doing in terms of asset purchases, which can help support some of those spreads, keep them from widening and, and worrying company financial conditions. Uh, so so what are you looking at when you're talking about the uh, corporate corporate metrics? What, what would really cause you to become concerned about uh, the credit markets? Well, for credit markets, it's all about company profitability and the availability of financing. So when you do have a supply and demand shock like we're seeing, that means companies maybe can't keep their doors open. There's certainly a risk. Um, and so if there aren't those revenues coming in and they still have to pay their leases and their wages, then that's, that's really a concern. So that from a macro perspective is what matters for credit. What would I want to see to be concerned? Well, when we talk to the investors across the New York Life um, platform that invest in credit, they're looking at things like, are companies starting to draw down on the revolving credit lines? Are... Um, it, it's a, it's a, an existing facility that companies have where they can borrow some money, some extra money on an ad hoc basis. It would essentially say that they're not meeting their cash flow needs, and so that would be a signal to credit markets that they're that they're pretty concerned. Um, from there, then I think you'd start to see pricing in those markets widen further, which is when then companies can't access that financing, and that that would be the real problem. We're not there yet. I think um, what we're hearing is it would need to be summer before we'd be worried about that. But um, certainly summer gets closer every day. Those are all, all great points. And the main portfolio takeaway here is that uh, we prefer to not have a lot of credit risk in our portfolio at this point in time. Um, so what type, types of strategies are we investing in in the fixed income space in, in replacement of uh, credit risk? It's really... Um, 
it's really about being smart about your exposure no matter where it is, right? So less credit risk or where we do have credit exposure, we're moving into shorter duration, more flexible um, securities. And then across the New York Life Investments platform, it's all a focus on quality because some of the, um, while there's certainly sector opportunities or maybe less favorable opportunities like energy at the moment, these things can change really quickly. And so it's a focus on companies that are providing those regular revenues um, that have a lower risk of default that help to uh, cushion your portfolio against that downside risk. That's right. Another potential cushion for people's portfolios is the uh, fiscal stimulus that we might see come out of Washington. They've already passed. Uh, we, we already saw that President Trump passed a uh, nearly $8 billion spending bill for the CDC uh, to help ramp up the uh the response efforts to the virus itself is relatively small in scale. Um, but markets are hoping that something more comes out of Washington. Uh, rumors have suggested that there's a payroll tax holiday coming up uh, that might help uh, some employees keep their hours. But, you know, we have to see what types of responses we get from not only our own government, but global global uh, governments as they respond to some of the effects of the spread of the virus. It sounds like you're not as convinced by this fiscal policy story, which has given markets some comfort whenever the stories come up. So um, what I'm hearing Definitely is... Definitely not right now. Yeah. The, and what? that's really for two reasons. First, I think that whatever government has to... Whatever needs to be done to overcome the effects of the virus will have to, one be coordinated and global. This is not just a specific U.S. issue or a specific China issue. Uh, this is a global issue. It is the spread of a virus that is showing signs uh, across many countries, Iran, Italy, uh, Europe, dealing with the fallout. So we're going to need coordinated fiscal responses across governments to help with the economic impact from the spread of the virus. But second, the things that are being thrown around right now are, are kind of small in scale, and I don't think they get to um, the heart of the issue, which is the potential of a significant demand shock. A payroll tax holiday is nice um, for most employees, but as, a as far as the policy goes, I don't think it's going to help those who will be most affected by the virus. At the end of the day, what we're seeing or what we could see is that people stop spending um, for fear of the virus. They're not leaving their home. They're not going out to restaurants and to, and to bars. They're not using services like uh, gyms um, just because of the fear of, of the virus. Uh, if that spending slows down, then a lot of workers who are reliant on hourly wages or participate in the gig economy might find themselves um, not making as much income. And so that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, and so those workers won't have as much money to spend. So it sounds like from a, just to wrap us up for the portfolio pause today, even though we were 7% down yesterday, uh, Monday, the March 9th, it's still a good time to be patient in your portfolios. It's not yet time to pile in. We haven't seen the indication that we've reached the bottom. Bottoming's a process. And so um, hold tight, um, move uh, a little bit more defensively if, if that's appropriate for your portfolio, and wait until you see a clear sign of, of turnaround before uh, jumping back in. So I couldn't have said it better myself. 
Before we go then, Robert, what do you see on the docket for this week? Oh, this week has a lot of things in the pipeline. Uh, we're definitely still going to be watching coronavirus and whatever developments happen between uh, Russia and Saudi Arabia and the rest of the oil petroleum exporting countries. Um, that will be making headlines probably from now for, for at least a couple months. Um, but there's some important things going on next week. Uh, Super Tuesday, uh, number two is around the corner. And so uh, some people will be watching to see if Joe Biden can continue his momentum and uh, receive enough delegates to be the, the Democratic nominee for the 2020 presidential election. And I wouldn't be Lauren Goodwin if I didn't mention that we also have ECB uh, week this week. Um, the ECB press conference is on Thursday. Again, limited ammunition relative to the Fed, but it'll be really interesting to see um, if they step in and start buying anything. has important implications for um, credit pricing in that space. So that's it for this week. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next week for more Market Matters. Let us know what matters to you. That's right. If you have a question or topic of interest, you can hit us up on social media. Yeah. Just send us your questions or highlight what matters all by finding us on LinkedIn. Uh, and you can also follow our views at NewYorkLifeInvestments.com slash blog. Until then, I'm Robert Sarenbeth. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. Thanks for listening. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamats, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I will now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about Mainstay Funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is a service mark and name under which New York Life Investment Management LLC does business. New York Life Investments is an indirect subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company, New York, New York, 10010, and provides investment advisory services and products. New York Life Distributors LLC is located at 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302. New York Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.